0: Well, this morning I wanted to preach real bad, and uh, because I've been gone for a while, and I'm eager to share with you just from God's word. But there's one preacher that sometimes I'll be willing to. nod to and let him go instead. And that preacher happens to be with us this morning. His name is Shannon Hurley, Shannon and Danielle. And so we support them. They're in Kubamatwe, Uganda. Uh, We're actually the sending church along with Lakeside Bible Church in Montgomery, Texas. And we're going to get to hear from him in just a moment. So he asked if we could roll this short video, giving you an update about what God's doing in Uganda. And then he's going to come up and open God's word to us here in just a moment. When's the last time we had a mission trip from Placerita to Uganda? Come on, you need to repent, Placerita. Let's go. Well, what a joy it is to be here. I, I am so thrilled to be at Placerita Baptist, so thankful for the opportunity to preach here and, uh, and to see your good-looking faces. Where's Mark? Come on, Ratunas. Woo! Don't you get all weirded American, okay? Here we go. Woo! Good, good to see you guys. I got my big John right here. Here's my wife, Danielle. She's going to play a song at the end, and we're thrilled to be here to exalt Christ and challenge and encourage the saints. Amen? amen. I want to make sure you guys are a little African so I don't feel weird up here, okay? And uh, so when I say amen, you say amen. Say amen? amen. But you got to say with a little, mm-mm, Okay. Uh, you know, one thing we've become so professional is we don't become community enough. Like, we just got to, like, talk to each other. Like, look at your neighbor and say, amen. Go ahead, look at him. Uh, that's weird for you right now, but if you were in Africa, that'd be, like, cool. So we want you to be African cool, all right? More than anything, this morning, I want to, to-, I want to encourage you. I want to stimulate you. I thought of a question that might be appropriate to begin our time to kind of set our minds on what I want to see and what I want to answer in our hearts. And not only that, but what Jesus Christ, I believe, would speak to us here. I've been in the Sermon on the Mount, and I am so pumped up with the message of Christ. It's just awesome. I've been preaching it all week. Here's a question that we, I want you to consider by way of introduction. What would you say is the singular greatest reason for the lack of kingdom advancement for God's church and for God's name throughout this world? What is the singular, singular greatest reason for a lack of it? Let me take it a little closer to home. What is the greatest reason why God's church in America or in California is not causing and changing and transforming the societies in which we live? Let me even make it even closer to home. What is the greatest reason for why this church, Placerita Baptist Church, is not seeing greater spiritual growth is not seeing greater missionaries being sent out is not in a greater way living more passionately for kingdom what's the reason why i'm reminded of a great hymn by Isaac Watts listen to the words of this hymn am i a soldier of the cross a follower of the lamb And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer though they die. They shall trumpet from afar by faith's discerning eye. That hymn speaks of war. That hymn speaks of battle. And it suggests that that's what we are doing. That that's what we are about. And honestly, some people say, Shannon, well, how do you like it in America? And and honestly, the way I feel in America is I I feel like I've gone from war and I come out to Disneyland. And everybody's chilling, everybody's hanging out, and they're having a good time. But nobody's living in reality. Nobody's warlike in their mentality But I love this hymn because it conveys the heart of all true, listen, servants of the king. This uns- unsatiable, unsatisfying passion for pleasing their master, this undying commitment to his service. A Christian understands we're at battle, that this life is bigger than just Us here, we are but dust passing quickly like a flower. We, as Christians, understand that we are in God's kingdom. We live with a different worldview. This is his kingdom. And we are, we, because we bent the knee to Jesus Christ... We have surrendered ourselves to Him as Master. We understand that life is not about the earthly momentary pleasure. And therefore, we live with our eye to the King, an eye to the kingdom. And we yield everything, all our resources, every possession we have, every gift, every ability, all directed at service to the master. That's what we, that's who we are. And this passage before us declares that truth. In this passage, if you would open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter six. We hear those Bibles moving. Come on, move them, move them. In Matthew chapter six, it's this glorious passage. In chapter one through four, Matthew says, "Listen, Jesus Christ is the King." Everybody, Jesus Christ is the king. is the. King. Woo! You can do that. Go ahead. Woo! All right. Woo! Jesus Christ, that's his declaration. I am the king. I am the king. And then he comes and he says, Listen, let me tell you what it's like. To live in his kingdom. Let me tell you who's in his kingdom. And in Matthew chapter 5, he spends the chapter describing who's in the kingdom and who's not. And who we are in the kingdom. Remember, first he says that we're blessed are the poor in the spirit. Blessed are this and that. Those are who's in the kingdom. You want to know whether you're saved or not? You want to know whether you're a servant of the king or not? Look at Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 10. Or 12. Then he comes and he declares in verse 13 that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We're to permeate the society. We are the chosen in this world, and I see it because I live in Africa. The world is dark, and the only hope of light is what? The church. We're the only hope of light. And Jesus then gets into this topic about service. And he declares them to serve the Lord, to serve him, but he tells them how not to do it and how to do it. Look at 6.1. Look how he tells us not to do it. Everybody look there, and this is so important in our society here in the grace world. Listen to what he says. Beware of practicing your what? Everybody beware of practicing your what? Righteousness before to be. Beware of it. Beware of doing your righteousness before what? For the purposes of being noticed. I don't want that. Don't give that. For you, listen to what he says for you have your reward in what? You have no, I'm sorry, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And then he gives three examples in chapter, in verse 2 through 4, he gives the example of giving. When you give, don't give it before men, but give it before what? Before God. Then he comes and and he says in verse 5 through 15, and when you pray, don't pray before, but before. Because if you pray before men, you have your Reward. But if you pray before God, your reward is reserved where? In heaven. Then he comes and he gives a third example of fasting in verse 16. When you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrite who does it for the appearance of men. But rather, when you fast, do it, verse 18, when you fast... So that your fasting will not be noticed by men, do it in secret, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will what? Will reward you. He tells them how they are not to serve this master. I'm the king, and I want to tell you as king and master how you are not to serve me. Don't serve me before what? Men. Men. Then he comes and gives this powerful 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 verse of which I want you to see because it's the foundation of our message this morning. He gives a command of how you are to serve him. Look with me in verse 19. He says, "Do not store up your, for yourselves treasures what on earth Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Why is he saying that? Because when you do your service before men, you're storing treasures where? On earth. Don't do that. Don't get caught up in that game. Rather, he says this. But store up for yourselves treasures where? Come on now, talk to me. Let's go. But store up yourselves treasures where? 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 This is a command by your Messiah, your King, who you all claim to follow. He says, store your treasures in heaven. Build a life of service where you're storing your treasures in heaven. That's your mentality. That's your focus. That's the motivation behind why you serve is heaven. Now we come to the message at hand. Because he gives us the reason why we need to live lives of total service to our master in heaven. And you see this by verse 21. Look at the first word in verse 21. What is it? Everybody, what is it? Four. That's a gar in Greek. It's giving an explanation. An explanation as to why you must live your lives for heaven. Why you must live your lives for heaven. My dear friends, our service, our service is done before the eyes of God. It is to seek God's pleasure and is to be aimed at the glory of God. Let me say that again. Hear me. Our service is to be done before the eyes of God for the pleasure of God and aimed at the glory of God. My concern is this, that the Christian world aren't aimed at serving God. They don't wake up and live for the heavens. They live for the here and now. That we're not at war. We're not even serious. And there are great effects, great things that result in light of that. I don't know where you are at, but I want to ask an introductory question. What are you living for? Let me ask it again. What are you living for? Where is your head focused where are your eyes directed? What are, your li- what are you doing with your lives? Are they directed here or here? Big question. And I want to beg of you, if you are a servant of the king to live for here, and there's a reason why, and that's what I want to explain to you today. Today. There are three pictures that are given here in this passage. How many pictures? Everybody, how many pictures? Three pictures. And I want to give you those pictures today. All right, we brought like props and everything to give them to you. First picture is that of a heart. First picture is that of a heart. And we're answering the question of why a Christian must live for the purposes of storing treasures in heaven. Why we must live for the purposes of storing treasures in heaven. The first reason is given for us in verse 21. Everybody look there with me. Verse 21 says, for where your what? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also there your heart will be also there's a principle that is built here and I'm going to give this one quick to you for you but the principle is this where you store your treasures there your heart will what will be the idea is our hearts might are never really empty And we want to know where our heart is? You want to know what's filling our lives? The answer is what we live for, where we put our treasures. Some of us, those treasures might be what? Money. When you grab for money, money fills what? Your heart. When you're living for money, i got to get money. i got to get money. Oh, but our bills are this or that. Oh, i got it. And that's why he'll come next. Say, why are you worried about tomorrow? Tomorrow will take care of what? Don't let money drive you. That's why he comes at the end here and says, you need to love God or what? You might have those needs, but don't live for them. Because what you grab will grab your... Everybody, what you grab will grab your heart don't ever forget it what you live for will grab your heart if it's girls i just happen to have a picture of a hot girl right here this one right here i mean it doesn't get better than her i'll just tell you so sorry you guys married less but uh, no. but when you live for it, girls what's going to fill your heart girls When you live for sports, what's going to grab your heart? Sports. Sports. The principle is make sure that we don't live for these earthly things. No, but rather what? Live for God. Live for heaven. Live for eternal things. Why? Why? Talk to me. So that God will fill your heart. So that God will fill your heart. Here, Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming here and He's saying, I want to fill your heart. You must not live for the earth. You must live for the eternal so that I will be the treasure of your being. Are we together? Powerful. Powerful. Show me a person who is continuously med- meditating on Christ and investing in God's kingdom, and I will show you a godly man. Show me a person who doesn't want to meditate on Christ and invest in the kingdom, invest his energies in eternal things. Show me one that wants to live for this world and I will show you a man that doesn't love Christ. You don't want to spend time with God each day? I'll show you a man that doesn't love Christ. Show show me a religious man who's not concerned with Christ and listen, I'll show you a hypocrite And I think that's the problem we have. We have people who are saying, Jesus is mine, Jesus is mine, but we do not live for what? Jesus. And so therefore, we become like these religious leaders right here. And I think that's exactly why Jesus addresses this principle. Because he's speaking to a crowd that is filled with living for the earthly, living for man. And as a result, we become hypocrites. We might do service, but it's not directed at him because other things have filled our minds. The first picture is that of a first picture is that of a a heart. There's a second picture here. And that is of an eye. Look with me in verse 22 and verse 23. It says this. The eye is the lamp of the... Everybody come with me. The eye is the lamp of the body. So that if your eye is clear, your whole body is full of... But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of... If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. Here... Jesus gives this second illustration. Having just said what grabs your heart, what you grab will grab your heart, he now turns to this second illustration, and that is of the eye. And the idea is this what fills your eyes will fill your, your heart, will fill your body. Some people wanted to talk about is this literal? Is this, look, guys, read the text, all right? I think it's a literal illustration, literally talking about an eye, what you see fills your body. I don't think it's, the, the, the application is not literal. The application is more figurative, but this, the, the principle is simple. It's simple. What comes in through your eye will fill your heart and mind, will fill the person. I believe he's not just referring to the eye, but he's referring to the eye as a symbol of what you meditate on, what you think about, what you soak yourself in. I think this can also be an illustration. Are you allowed to do these things in church? Okay, so I don't want to break any rules. All right, maybe I do. So. The idea is we're like this sponge. And what we soak ourselves in, what we soak ourselves, what we put our minds on, will what? Fill us. You're allowed to do that, and you are. I mean, you're replacing this, yes. I mean, come on, let's, you know, shh. You know, right? I I mean, more motivation. This is how we raise money at Placerita, you know, so... But what you fills your, what you meditate on will fill what? Your heart. And so when we spend our life meditating on the world, what's filling our heart? I'm sorry, when we meditate on the world, what fills our heart? When we meditate on sports, what fills our heart? Sports. What you put your eye on fills you. What you put your heart on or your, your thoughts on fill you. Guys, we are putting our minds on the earth, and when we're just putting our minds on earthly things, all that's coming out is world, 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 and we are no different than the unbeliever, and that's what makes us what? Hypocrites. And we've got to be honest with ourselves. I am, I am very confident That in this room, there are many people, and probably 90% of you, that want to love Jesus Christ fully. But you also have this lie that you believe. And I can say it because I live in Africa. But you have this idea that you believe, and that is this idea that you can also love the the world. And you want to try and love them both. And what happens is you don't realize how wicked this enemy is. That when you give your mind to it, it sucks you in. And before you know it, your, your brain is soaking in the world. And what's coming out, even though your lips say Jesus, what's coming out is the world. All You, you sit in a car with evangelicals. And you want to talk about Jesus. And all they want to talk about is sports. And dumb, trivial, stupid, retarded, lame things. Why doesn't Jesus come out? And the reason Jesus doesn't come out is because Jesus doesn't go what? In. Where is the person that says, more love, O Christ to thee, more love to thee? Once, once, past tense, earthly things I craved. Sought peace and rest. But now, the alone I seek. Before and what? And now. More love, O Christ. Where are those people who actually want to take this phone and actually throw it through the window, let someone out so that we can just focus on what? Christ. You know there's a relationship between the world and a Christian. There are things in the world that are free. Permissible. But they have no benefit. And when you see a Christian that's serious, they hate the world. Not because they have to, but because they recognize the world takes them from everything they actually love, and that is what? Christ himself. Christ himself. Show me a religious man who is not consumed with Christ, and I will show you a hypocrite. Show me a man who is continuously meditating on Christ, who gets rid of every other thing, hindering him from his love affair with God, and I'll show you a godly man. What we do with our free time defines us. And it's for this reason... A third illustration comes. The third illustration is that of a master. Look with me in verse 24. Look with me in verse 24. No one can serve what? Two masters. For either he will hate the one. He will either what? Hate the one and what? Love the other. Or he will be devoted to one and what? Despise the other. You cannot love God and wealth. Can't. Here in this verse, there is a statement and there's an application. Look with me at the statement that's very clear. No one can serve what? Two masters. There's the statement. Imagine with me that John is my boss. John is my boss, and Adam is my boss because if I do anybody else, no, I can get Don. You come here. He won't get offended and, like, get all weird on me. So if they're both my boss, the the picture is I can't serve both of them at the same time. If he says, Shannon, I need you to go get me coffee, and he tells me, Shannon, I need you to shine my shoes, can I do them both at the same time? Impossible. Simple principle, right? Simple illustration. You can't have two bosses because you can't serve them both at the same time. Same time. Simple. That's why, when, that's why with companies that are serious with employees, they get them full time. Why? Because they don't want their heart divided here and divided here and ends up being nowhere. Very clear statement. You cannot serve to what? Let me say it again. You cannot serve to... Tell your soul that. You cannot serve what? You can't. I don't care what you think. You cannot serve the world and God. You cannot meditate on the world and God. You can't serve two masters. I really believe that Jesus' heart is to vanish hypocrisy from His servants. The last thing He wants is a bunch of people claiming to be Christians who are hypocrites. If we start looking at why we don't serve God, I think we'll realize that we're more hypocrites than we realize. Well, you know, my house isn't clean, and you know well, I mean, I have me time, you know well, this is my family, and we don't want. What are we talking about? Are we at war? Are we not in his kingdom? Is there not spiritual warfare going on? Or are we thinking like the world, like, this is about me, and I'm the center of the universe. You can't serve two masters. You're forced to choose which one you will serve. Christ or the world? Christ or friends? Christ or money? Christ or a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Christ or alcohol? Christ or gambling? You guys may not deal with those things like we do in Uganda. People are very addicted to these things. But I can say this one. How about Christ and bad movies? I send my daughters to this country, and uh, they're saying, Dad, but everybody else is watching these R-rated, jacked-up movies. Really? How can you put your mind on sin and then turn around in church and sing about how you hate it? (laughs) This is getting more African every day. I like it every moment. (laughs) Dear friends, I want to remind you as a brother in this army, you can't serve two masters. You must choose. Don't listen to the lie. Don't think for a moment you're an exception that you're more godly or more spiritual or more abled. You cannot serve what? Two masters. It can't happen. Says so Shannon, well, what does that mean practically? Well, I'm glad you asked, because he comes and he applies it to us. Look what he says. For, again, the for is explaining. It's a gar in Greek. He so says, Shannon, you must be a Greek scholar. No, I'm not. I'm just faking it. But so does Adam every week, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> just, kidding. just kidding. He's actually a whole lot more intelligent than I am. Some get the looks, some get the intelligence, you know. So. <laughs> uh, I love you, Adam. He says this in verse 24: for either he will what? He will either what? Come on, come with me. He will either hate the one and what? Love the other, or he will be devoted to the one. And despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Or God and the world. You can't. You're given two choices here, dear friends. On one hand, you're going to take one and hate it. You're going to take one and despise it. Hate and despise. This idea of hate is to actually have total disregard or indifference. You don't care about the world. You don't want the world. You don't want to run to it. You have a disinterest in the world. You don't find affection. You're not drawn to it. You don't pay attention to it. You don't give it thoughts. That's the idea that's going on here. You don't put your affections in it. You don't meditate on it. Because you know it's not worth investing in. You know it doesn't lead to value. It leads to wasting time. As a parent, I now have kids going to university, which is scary. Like, I'm way too young for that. I can't get the days back with my little girl in the house. I hate that. So what did we do that mattered when we were in the home? Did they get a dad that was consumed with Christ? Because when they're out of the home, I can't go back and give them that dad. They're gone. In contrast to those who love and those who are what devoted to love and devotion i remember i when i was still a young boy i was in high school and kind of in a in a family where in some ways there weren't a lot of rules and regulations to govern us and i had this girlfriend and i remember i wanted jesus but then this girlfriend came into my little world And I remember her wanting to kiss me. And I would go home and I would have a total disinterest in this girl because I wanted Christ. I knew I had to sit down before God and I had to, in my conscience, if it wasn't right, I couldn't enjoy Christ. That's the idea here. Let me give you another illustration in marriage. I'm a married man, married to the, a rock star. Like my wife, guys, you hear stories about my wife, but my wife is like that time, times a hundred. Like she's amazing. That's the truth. <laughs> uh, and we, we invite you all to come to Uganda and, uh, and see these realities. And again, but you know what? I've realized in the world that there are a lot of pretty girls. Have you noticed that, Adam? I mean, there are a lot of pretty girls in the world. My wife is not the only pretty one. And you know, I can't love my wife and love what? Other women. And you can easily, as a man, and we're all men and we all recognize that all of a sudden there's another girl. Oh man, she's a little attractive. And so you give a little attention. And when you give attention here, where does your attention go from? From your wife. I won't have hands to anyone that's had that experience. But I think every man in this room has had that experience. And that's why if you give yourself here, you won't be devoted here. That's why there are only two alternatives. You either love and are devoted and hate and show no interest in. Those are the options. But you can't say, I'm going to love here and love here. And that's what we are doing with the world. What does it mean to hate the world, to hate and despise a master? It means that you remove yourself from anything that will cause you to want that master. It means you run in the opposite way of that master. It means that you tell yourself the truth about how that master is not good and how destructive that master is. It means you remove everything in your life that would remind you of that master. What does it mean to be devoted to a master? It means that you are wholeheartedly invest in that master. Man, I've had the last few days of the, okay, earlier in the week to be with my wife and her exclusively. And man, I'm like, and then I had to leave and go and travel around. I'm like, honey, I miss you. Honey, I you. Oh, come on. You know. i like, all I want is my wife. Like, guys, leave so I can just be with my wife. Why? Because when you foster the devotion and the affection for your wife or for the Lord, then all of a sudden he's all you what? All you want. It means that you saturate your mind on how you're doing, on on where you're going, on where that master is and what that master wants from you. Spend your time serving that master. You fill your whole environment with pictures and music and and everything about that master. That picture came out of my my Bible because I I love my wife and I I want her around. You know, look. Oh, there's Dodgers. That's probably a problem too. (laughs) But my my wife, when you remove the Dodgers, (laughs) my wife's there. When you go to my Facebook, there's my wife. Because I want my wife, not the Dodgers. (laughs) The same it is with Christ. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot. Friends, I think the challenge we have in the church here in America is that we are believing the lie that we can be devoted to two masters. I believe we believe that lie, and in the end, we become devoted to the world. You know what the Bible says about the world? John 4, 4, says, James 4, 4 says, friendship with the world is hatred for God. Oh. Some of you that you're saying, I love God, but in reality, you what? By your actions, you do what? You hate God. Because when you love the world, you do not love what? We can enjoy the world, we can enjoy the things when we see them as God is the creator of them. And it leads us to love him more because he's what we're saturated in. First John, you guys know it. 1 John 2, 15 says this. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, listen, the love of the Father is not in him. If you love the world, you are not a Christian is really what it's saying. I believe in this room, there are many in this room who have never surrendered to their master Jesus Christ. They've never given up the world for Christ. You've been around Christianity, but all you are are like a Pharisee. You are a hypocrite, a religious hypocrite. You're never forced to surrender because nobody else surrendered, so why should you surrender? The Bible says that we love God, that we have picked up our cross. A Christian is one who has picked up his cross and what? Died. We've surrendered everything to follow our master and Lord Jesus Christ. And when you follow this sermon out, that's exactly where he goes. The wide the gate is what? wide many will say to me what Lord Lord that's exactly where the sermon goes guys I don't want I don't care about your orthodoxy at this moment I care about your life I care about your heart where are you in relationship to your master where are your affections And Christians who are loving Christ, who are truly born again, you cannot serve what? You must despise it. You must hate it. And you must be devoted to this one. So I want to tell you, my dear Christian, my fellow soldier, get rid of all these things that hinder you from loving Jesus. And that may be getting rid of the Dodger app. It quickly gets us, doesn't it? At least putting some controls where Christ becomes our meditating factor. I love, and I would end with this passage, and then I'll have my wife come up, but passage that you've heard many times, but I want to quote it for you. Matthew 24. I'm sorry, did I say Matthew 24? That was fun. Joshua 24. Just making sure you know your Bibles and are awake. <laughs> Joshua 24, verse 14. It says this. Now, therefore, interesting, fear the Lord. And another word, and what? Serve him in what? Sincerity and truth. And how do we do that? By putting away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the by putting away, despising and hating all the other things. And then he says this. Verse 15. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today. Whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which are beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, and the land in which you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve... The Lord. Friends, put away the gods. Say, Shannon, how how do I, you know, I got to go to work tomorrow. Right, but why do you go to work? We're not saying you can't do secular things. But we take the secular and we turn them into sacred by using them as a means for the glory of God. You take your money, instead of giving 5% to Placerita, give 20% and take another 30% and give it to worldwide missions and watch what happens to your heart. Watch. You'll have a new passion to work and make money. You say, how do you know? Because that was me. I know it from personal experience. But let us start by just... Loving Christ and sitting in his word. When's the last time you read through the Bible? Dear friends, where is your heart? Where is your, who is your, your master? Let's pray together. Father, we sing this song, but let it be the prayer of our heart. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow with ceaseless praise. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold, Take my, lo- my love, my Lord, I pour at your feet its treasure store. Take myself, I, ever w- I-, I will be ever only and all for thee, ever only all for thee. Lord, make that not just a song, not just a prayer, but re- real in all of our lives. And we ask this for our good, for your glory and the advancement of your name and fame throughout this world. For the praise and glory of your name we pray.